There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning to the podcast. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh. This is the Daily Doctrine Devotional. We deal with the doctrine of the Word of God. We've been dealing with Matthew chapter 5. We'll continue in Matthew chapter 5 in just a few moments. But let me first just say to you listening, those of you back in school, I hope you're back in the swing of school. I know that some folks have told us they're starting next Monday, and so we're certainly thankful for each of the parents and students that desire to listen to the podcast. We have exhorted others to use this podcast as chapel services. It used to be a benefit to children. I personally have the ability, when I am home, each and every morning, I can listen to Oliver B. Green on the radio. I can listen to Perry F. Rockwood on the radio. I can listen, if I choose to, to Bob Jones on the radio. I can listen to Lester Roloff on the radio, and there are many others. I choose to listen to two or three of them normally each day. Brother Oliver Green is one of them. Brother Perry F. Rockwood is another. And we make a point to listen. We make a point to hear what the Word of God has to say. And I certainly am thankful each morning that I have the ability to hear that preaching. And so we have let others know about the podcast, that they can have morning preaching. It's a help to you. The Word of God being preached is a help to us, whether we like to understand or admit it or not. But it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that will believe. And so we ask you, if you would, tell others about the podcast, listen yourself, and get a daily dose of doctrine. We're not going to change the name of the podcast. That's a one-time event. But it's the Daily Dose of Doctrine Devotional. And so D4. And so as we go into Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, he says, Ye are the salt of the earth. We know in verse 1 that he's speaking to his disciples. He tells us that. But I'm not hyper-dispensational enough to explain that away so that I can excuse myself from being the salt of the earth. We know that salt is found in the earth. We know that salt is a great component of the earth. No doubt the Lord gave us salt because he said it was good. The foundations of life do revolve around water. But yes, the foundations of life also revolve around salt. Salt is a necessary component in plants. Salt is a necessary component in the human cells. Salt is a necessary component in your diet. You have a diet without salt, you're in trouble. Therefore, salt is good. And he tells his disciples that you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, and I notice how it's personal there, his savor, he emasculates salt, wherewith shall it be salted? And so salt is a necessary component, but salt can lose its savor. And I've recently even again looked at that. How does salt lose its savor? Well, it becomes good for nothing. There is a, a chemical process that takes place in salt where it has no benefit or no, no profit anymore. And uh, you can break salt down and salt will look like salt. It will feel like salt. It will not taste like salt. Therefore, it's no good. The properties that you taste in salt are the properties necessary for you to sustain life. And he tells his disciples, it's ye, that's plurality, but individual in that, 
are the salt of the earth. And he said, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. And I don't know about you, but again, I'm not going to explain that away with dispensationalism, how that does not apply to me. And therefore, if I'm worthless to God, uh, I don't need to be cast out or trod under foot of men because I'm some kind of value to the people of this world. But the reality is if I have no saltness, I have no value. If I lose my savor, there is no profitability in my life. If you've lost your savor with God and that saltness wherewith it's salted, you've lost your ability to impact others. Is there any taste in the white of an egg? No, there is not. Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? No, it cannot be. Why? Because that which is unsavory needs salt. Vegetables need salt. Milk products need salt. Meat needs salt. Butter needs salt. I know it's a milk problem, but I like to throw that in there. And we understand that salt is a necessary good, and it is a good thing to eat a little bit of salt, like all things, in moderation. And yet at the same time, folks have been told not to eat salt, and I believe it's also part of that judgment. I believe because we are no longer the salt of the earth. In fact, the church today has very little impact on anyone. Most churches have zero impact on the community. The community does not know they exist. Most Christians have zero impact on people in their lives. They live a life that's in the world, full of the world, full of worldliness, and they're not making an impact on those around them. Therefore, they're good for nothing, but be trodden their foot of men. That's why so many are susceptible to the things of this world. Men mock and scoff and laugh at their Christianity, and yet they can't change that because they've lost their savor. And what a tragedy that is when you hear of folks that have lost their savor. It's a terrible tragedy. We hear about churches that have lost their savor. Part of the self-examination, God requires of us to look, am I savory? Am I having an impact? And by the way, I desire salt. I enjoy salt. I have a salty snack most evenings. I can't say all evenings. My children like to have a salty snack in the evening. Uh, they like their pretzels with salt. They like their potato chips with salt. They like their Doritos with salt, their cheese puffs, cheese balls, cottontails, uh, checks mix, party mix, pub mix even, now without the pub. Uh, they like that with salt. I like my pork rinds with salt, like my nuts with salt. Why? Because there's a savoriness to that that's desirable. And yet there's not much savoriness in believers today that is desirable. In fact, most of their actions are undesirable. Most of the way they act towards others, they're very undesirable in their actions. The bitterness comes through and the malice comes through and their discontentedness comes through. They're not content with the things of God and therefore they've lost their savor. He goes on secondly and tells his disciples, you are the light of the world. So not only the salt, but the light of the world. Now, I know that Jesus Christ is the light, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. And he told us because their deeds are evil. But then he tells his disciples, ye are the light of the world. Therefore, that light is going to be born of you. You are going to go light the darkness. You are going to take this light into corners that nobody else can take it. You are going to impact people that nobody else can impact. And the question I have for our listeners today on this podcast, how many of you are making an impact on somebody's life? How many of you are light in someone's life? It took me quite a few years before I believe I began to even have a flicker of light. Yet I had the witness of God. I had the Holy Ghost. I had the Spirit of God. I had all those things that accompanied salvation. I have no doubt that God saved me in April 1997. But yet, there was just that little flicker of light time to time. It wouldn't impact anybody. It wouldn't change anybody. Today, I still am skeptical how much of an impact it makes. And that's just being a brutal, honest self-assessment with you. 
I hear most boasting of how successful they are and how people just love to be around them and what an impact they're making. But we rarely see that today. We rarely see those. And by the way, if you are making an impact, you're probably not going to boast about it because you realize it is a work of God. It's anything because that light that shines in us is the Holy Ghost, which is his love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Therefore, it's not our love to shed abroad. It's his love to shed abroad. And yet it pleases him to use this earthen vessel to shed the blood. That is that great treasure in earthen vessels. And so how's your light? How's your salt? The lower lights be burning, that great Philip Bliss song, the Pennsylvanian. And of course, Moody had told the story of the, the Cleveland Harbor and the lights there. And, and Bliss went home and wrote that tremendous song, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. And yet many folks today don't guide anybody to the harbor. And if they can't see the lighthouse, it's just utter darkness because there's no one at their level, no one where they are, no one in the place where they are, no one in the storm, no one in the darkness that gives them light. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is settled on hill cannot be hid. So he tells his disciples there's a city, there's a light there. And so folks can look and see that light. And therefore, if they can't see the light, there's something wrong with you. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And he giveth light unto all that are in the house. And so one of the tests that we have now is, are we light? Are we a candle? Are we giving the light? Are we even offering the light? Do we even have the ability to portray light? I would suggest that most folks today don't even have the ability to portray light. They don't have the ability to put off light. There is nothing in them that would suggest that there's light that needs to emanate from them. And the reason for that is simply worldliness has corrupted them. Worldliness has surrounded them. They're in love with the things of this world. They're in love with the, the, the things that pertain nothing to the word of God. They do not love their neighbor as themselves. They don't love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and body. Therefore, there's no light that emanates. They are not that city on a hill, but rather they're that candle that's been put under a bushel, that that's been hid, that candle that has no light given to it. Yet we see within, of course, in the book of Exodus, those seven lamps burning upon that candlestick, and they give light over unto it. That is that candlestick. What is the purpose of our light? To show men Jesus Christ, to light the way that men might come to Christ. Very little impact. And I realize that the mantra has been now for probably 60-some years here in fundamentalism and in Baptist movements is soul winning and soul winning, soul winning, soul winning. I heard a message earlier this year on everything for the main thing, and the main thing is soul winning. And I just got up and refuted that. And I just simply said, the main thing is holiness. For without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And you got unclean soul winners going out there trying to tell folks about Jesus. That's not light. You got folks that don't even live right. You got folks that are unclean, folks that don't even have a testimony. I've heard people steal somebody else's testimony. They had no testimony of their own, but they're going around doing their duty, doing their obligation, telling people what they're supposed to tell them. And they're doing a little bit of soul winning. They're going out there, what like they're obligated to do. If you want to teach Sunday school class, you got to go soul winning. You want to be a deacon, you got to go soul winning. You want to you know, help out, be an usher, you got to go soul winning. So they're doing their obligatory faith. And yet there's no light. There's not one person in their neighborhood that knows they're a Christian. There's not one person that they interact with that would even believe that they're a Christian. Not one person have they ever impacted because they're no light. Why? They have hid that light under the bushel. And so it is today. So it's modern religion. That's where it is. Even the contempos today, at least they would speak of Christ. 
And they'll stand there in their jean shorts and their tank top and their tie-dye shirt and their ponytail and a couple of earrings in and tattoos in their eyelids and say, Jesus saves. I'll sit there and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. They try to bear a light that doesn't exist within them. They try to speak of a light that they cannot be a light bearer of. And yet those that name the name of Christ carry the King James Bible have separated themselves and live holy and dress right. And they don't have any impact on people's lives. And what a shame. What a reproach that is. Let your light so shine. And he said, where? Before men. That's where your light shines. Why? It's a path. It's showing you the way. It's showing men the way to Christ. It's showing them the path to Christ. It's showing them the way, the truth, and the life, which is the person of Jesus Christ. There is none other. That's the light that lighteth every man. And therefore, we as believers are lighting these men or ought to be lighting these men. Our light ought to shine before men. How do we do that? In works, in our deeds, in our actions, to be Christ-like, but then also to speak of that word of God, which is within us. Any time to be instant in season and out of season, reprove if you can exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And I realize he's telling Timothy to preach the word, but can I say to you, it ought to just be on our lips. It ought to be part of our life and or our lifestyle. That he said, with a light, we don't light the candle and put it under a bushel. He giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Over and over again, he speaks of that light. It tells us to let it shine, that they may see your good works. Now, he tells you what that light is, your good works, and glorify the Father which is in heaven. And I'm going to go back and hit that little pet peeve of mine, but they say, well, soul winning is the best work of all. But men don't see your soul winning. Men don't see your labors of cutting the grass at the church. That's not the good works he's speaking of. And it's foolishness to try to equate that to I have good works. Uh, the world does not see the ladies that cook the meals at the church. All those things are right things to do. All those things, I'm not criticizing, it's just they're right. But those are not the good works he speaks of. What are the good works? They're the works of the spirit, not the works of the flesh. Let men see those good works. Let them see the fruit of the spirit in your life. Let them see those good works. And those good works, by the way, and emulate from the believer. And they can only emulate from the believer because most unbelievers don't have the ability to produce good works. That's what he's speaking of. And so those good works are not the things that it's made up to be today. But right, it's the good works of the word of God and the good works of the word of God in us that others might see Christ not living in the lust of the flesh, not living by the lust of the flesh, but rather manifesting the work of God within us. And so therefore, meekness and temperance and those fruit of the Spirit, many of those things come to show that that's the fruit of God, that's the work of God. Those are the good works that men may see. They might see someone that's patient. They might see someone that's kind. They might see someone that's temperate. They might see someone that has great faith. And I believe that's probably one of the greatest all that men would just exhibit faith, and then the men would exhibit charity and just show others the act of God within them by being charitable. It doesn't mean you have to give away all your money. You may not have money to give and still show folks charity. The men may see those good works. You realize there are soul winners out there that have never shown good works. They've never been charitable. They've never been kind. They've never been gentle. They've never had meekness. But yet they're doing works. They would boast of their works. I sing in the choir. I teach class. I run a bus. I take up the offering. We count the offering. I'm the treasurer. But they don't have the works that accompany it. The best way to find out about yourself is have somebody secretly go over and ask your neighbors, what do you think about so-and-so over there? And by the way, you'll find out 
what people think about you real quick, and you're not going to like it for the most part. Because if you don't have those works that we spake of, and all you have is religious works, I'd say it's probably wood, hay, and stubble. There's no hope for them. They're going to burn up one day. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. If you have good works, it's going to glorify the Father, which is in heaven. If you have those works within yourself, they come out of you, and that light shines before men, they're going to glorify God because of the works that they see. That kind of puts all of us in a position where better just examine these things. We'd better be honest about what men see about us. Don't look at it jaded. Don't look at it through rose-tinted glasses. Look at the reality. What do people think of me? What do people really think of my works? Do men see the light of Jesus Christ when they see my life? We'll close with that, and I'll ask it one more time. Do men see the light of Jesus Christ when they see the works in my life? There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption all at night. There only was tried. Now the angels of God are rejoicing. For the prodigal child has come home. And the saints all with gladness are singing. The glory. Song of the re-